Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, today I'm so excited to talk about making choices that lead to a successful marriage. Yeah, because, you know, a healthy marriage won't happen by accident. It's really about the small choices that we make to invest in our marriage, well, in, in especially during times of conflict. Mm-hmm. Just recently, I started a new class with my doctoral program and realized that I had another assignment due, and I may have had just a small little meltdown. <laughs> and just a little one. Yeah, I can I can look back and know that I mean I got totally triggered just feeling totally inadequate that I didn't know the assignment was due and we were traveling and so I had to work on this assignment in a hotel room until about 1 a.m. And I was just short and irritable and wanted to weep and cry and on and on. And I turn around and you're sound asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 1 a.m. Well, and, and I had, I could see that you were stressed. I had offered, hey, mm-hmm. th- give me something to work on. But you were just so overwhelmed that you couldn't even think of what needed to get right. done, much less how to, you know, outsource some of what you were doing. And then, yeah, I think there was a light on, the main light <laughs> on in our room. And I'm just that was a side light. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just so finicky as a sleeper that I just need total darkness, or I just don't sleep. And so at some point, yeah, I was like, hey, do you mind? Can I turn this light off and turn on another one? It was just one of those things. I knew what was going on. I was trying to support you. I wasn't taking anything personally. But what I what I do appreciate is that the next day, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I think probably even that morning as we were getting ready, yeah. you, I mean, you owned it and just went, I'm so sorry. And I was like, hey, I, I got what was going on. I didn't personalize any of that. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's those kind of small choices that we're mm-hmm. talking about that that you could have just said, listen, yeah, I'm human, so give me grace and, and just no. moved on. No. And I probably it was would've. Well, I woke up and I felt so bad. I was like, that was not even worth it because I got the assignment done and turned in, you know, late. But was it really? she got really... an A on, by the way. Oh, I don't know if I got an A yet. Um, but, you know, one of those things, is it a big deal or a little deal? And I reacted to it in, as if it was a big deal because what was getting triggered was a big deal. But immediately when I woke up, I was like, oof, I need to repair that. I need to apologize and and just own it. And I did. Yeah. And we moved on. Yeah. And just small choices to do something that simple. Yeah, and that's really what we're going to focus on this episode. And we've got some great segments coming up. Later on, we're going to hear a devotion from Bill Arbuckle on how choices can affect your marriage. We'll also hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, How can you stop giving in during conflict? But first, we had a great conversation with Dr. Ron Welch and his wife, Jan, about recognizing when a conversation is going in a bad direction and what to do. So let's listen to the discussion we had with Ron and Jan. I love the analogy that you use um, about Niagara Falls, really, that, that can help couples with some unhealthy cycles. So explain, explain that for us. 
So a long time ago, I, I worked in the federal prison system for many years, worked with a lot of inmates and a lot of folks who were in very, very desperate situations. And I realized that they had felt very much like they had been out of control for much of their lives. And I learned from a, a gentleman named Bill Fleeman that he had used this Niagara Falls analogy with things like addictions and anger. And I thought, wow, you know, this is what it feels like in marriages at times, that you're just going down this river, and I, I don't know if you've been to Niagara Falls, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. big waterfall, lots of water, mm-hmm. and and most people only see the waterfall from the bottom, or they take the boat around and say, oh, that's really, really cute, you know. But up above, two or three miles up the river is where actual change can occur, because if you're actually at the top of Niagara Falls and you're getting ready to go over, it's really hard to turn the boat around. Right. Um, but there are, farther up river, there are warning signs that say, hey, you in the barrel, you might want to get out, you know, that kind of thing, and and a cable you could grab onto, or you could have a raft, someone could paddle out to save you. And so what we try to do is is work with couples to say, boy, it would be really, really good if you could learn the warning signs of when you're getting closer and closer to the falls, because it's not difficult to know when you're at the falls. You know when you're saying the things you <laughs> will have to apologize for tomorrow, and you're using the intimidating mannerisms or whatever it is to get your way, and you're starting to get into that selfish mode, as opposed to early on in the process where you could say, wow, I think we probably ought to get out of this river now and take a break, take a step back, and try to think through what alternatives there are. And the earlier you can intervene in that process, the better chance you have of making different choices than you would if you were at the top of the falls. Mm. I like that. And mm. what what would you say are some examples? So if you're talking conflict, before you go to that point of no return, you're going now over the conflict, Niagara Falls, what would be some of those warning signs that that we want to pay attention to. Sure. Well, like for me, I'll start to get my my heart beats faster. Okay. I get kind of double vision. I realize how stressed I am. <laughs> Do your you, eyes you roll know, back? I, I, right. Exactly. Exactly. You, you have this feeling like, oh, I'm being attacked. Right, like I'm being threatened, and suddenly you have to defend yourself. Those are really strong warning signs. If you start feeling helpless, like, oh, well, here we go again, there's nothing I can do, right? You fall into those old patterns. It's so easy to default to what we've always done because none of us like being in those situations. Or in some cases, it might be a matter of seeing or hearing a tone of voice or an attitude from your partner, and then you start thinking, oh, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do this. And And then suddenly you start realizing that you're not actually listening anymore. You know, and you know what the research says. Most of the time we're thinking about what we want to say back to someone, right? I'm sure, Aaron, you've seen this, where someone is is having a conversation and they've stopped listening to you because they're actually focusing on how they want to tell you why what you're saying is wrong. Mm. So that doesn't work very well. And Mm. if you start getting in that mode where you're, talking more and listening less, that's probably a warning sign you're getting close to the false. Which I love. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love that you keep talking about choice, being proactive. So to notice the warning signs that like the heart racing or the double vision, I like that one. What do you then encourage someone to do? So let's say, you know, like Aaron said, my eyes are rolling back like a great white shark before they bite. What do we do? Is it, is it, are you saying, yeah, that's when you want to take a time out or let's pray together? Like, what have you noticed works for you guys when you see one of those warning signs? 
Well, one of the things I found, and I think this is unique to every couple, is you have to have a phrase or a set of words. In our case, we'll often say something like, okay, that's enough, or we need to take a break, or we're going down the wrong path. There's words that we've heard or seen that, that again, it's easier when you see the person and you can see even their countenance and what's happening. Yeah. But I have to work with each couple that I work with in my practice to be able to say, what are the words that work for you? I have one couple that just holds up a hand. Hmm. Like, if they say anything, it's going to have a wrong tone of voice or wrong attitude, so they both agreed. The hand up means, okay, time out. Mm-hmm. I have another couple that literally uses the words, we need a time out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have one couple that says, what do you think Welch would say, right? It's one of those kinds of things where you have to have language that is rock solid, because as Jan said early on, I didn't take that time out from her. If she said, I need a break, I would chase along after her like a little puppy and say, no, I don't want to break. And it it was, it was probably, I think, guys, I think I remember back around the time with my sons, they were asking me about some things really, or I I remember it was more the way they were interacting with Jan. They were kind of telling her or demanding and not listening to her. And, and I gave them the dad lecture about, you shouldn't talk to your, your mom that way. And I remember God just slapping me across the face and saying, "You, you know, who's, who do you think's teaching him that? Mm. And I, I think those are some of the things that I began to realize that I can't say everything I want to say, because oftentimes I will speak right over Jan. You know, even in this interview, it's like I'm trying to make certain that I realize I have to let Jan's voice be heard first in our relationship. It's just mm-hmm. the way it has to work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be heard. Nobody who knows me questions whether I'll I'll be heard. I'll always be heard. <laughs> so I need her voice to be heard first. Well, when we're talking about the Niagara Falls and the conflict, I really feel that when you under, when you know someone's finances or whatever it is that you're going to bring up that's uncomfortable, the way you phrase things, instead of like, you how much money did you spend at Target, you know, versus, <laughs> hey, you know, uh. we're a little short on our budget. <laughs> you know, I think we need to, like, we were did some shopping, and Ron's like, okay, no more cold for you for until the end of the month. I'm like, oh, it's only two weeks. That's okay. I could do that. Um, but it's a lot of times, I think, it's the way people phrase things, because mm-hmm. you could say something meanly and cruelly in order to kind of zing somebody versus saying, hey, I know finances, you know, they're not comfortable with that. Maybe we need to, you know, whatever it is, there's just a a better way to phrase things for me so Mm -hmm. I don't go into Mm -hmm. myself or run away kind of thing. And once you can figure out those patterns that, Mm -hmm. oh, this is something that's really triggering for you, maybe I can say it in a different way. So to Mm -hmm. me, that's one way of getting out of the river so you don't get into the water. Yes, and even if you say it in that in that cruel way, you can always take that step back and then call it out that, ugh, I hate that. That was my old pattern, my old reaction, and I want to do that differently. Exactly. And so then coming back exactly. and repairing and reengaging is so beneficial. Well, Ron and Jan's analogy of the Niagara Falls and kind of the warning signs of heading towards a dangerous conversation, that is so helpful in terms of avoiding conflict. But, you know, what if we miss the warning signs and plunge over the falls straight into conflict? 
How do we really prepare then our hearts to repair conflict? Yeah, it's so important to prepare our hearts. I loved their analogy of the Niagara Falls, and I've tried to use it several times, but I seem to botch it because I'm like, I miss all the warning, the ideas of the warning signs, and I'm like going over the river, going over the falls. And, um, but it's so true that we do get these warning signs. But how do we really? get our heart open so we can go back and repair. And I say it starts with humility. Totally. I mean, when when we're in conflict and our heart is shut down, mm-hmm. it's usually then we're in the midst of pride. Yeah. You know, it's I, I, I want what I want or I want Aaron to understand my perspective. Um, I think I'm right. It's all that is really just pride. And so mm-hmm. really the key is, you know, God gives his grace to the humble our spouse is going to usually give us grace when we're humble. And so I think opening our heart begins with sort of this idea that, okay, let me step back here. Let me let me go to the Lord. Let me begin to just settle into a conversation with God mm-hmm. that, that so helps me. Reaching out to God, I think, is mm-hmm. a great way to, to begin to, to create humility. Mm-hmm. But also – doing something to de-escalate, to get rid of all the energy that comes when we head into fight or flight. And so it's doing something to de-escalate, to simmer it down inside. Um, And one way to do that is to name what you're feeling, what got triggered inside of you. And again, this is our job because God gave us the responsibility of our hearts. Yeah. And and I think as we identify what maybe whatever that button that got triggered. So if I'm feeling failed or if I'm feeling controlled or things are unfair or unloved or invisible, I mean, whatever it is, you're right. Putting a, a name to that has this, this great way of of actually de-escalating things. I, I'm feeling invisible right now. And, you are? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I usually do. So probably, yeah, I don't feel like our producer or engineer really even paying attention to me as I'm waving at them, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but I think that when we put a name to it, that has a powerful effect that, that mm-hmm. seems to calm us down mm-hmm. a little bit, which the calmer we are, the more humble we are. I think that's when I'm, as I'm praying, I'm asking God for his truth, mm-hmm. you know, about me, about, you know, you, Aaron. I'm, I'm asking him, okay, so God, I'm feeling invisible. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that mm-hmm. true? Mm-hmm. Is, is it true that I'm invisible? And then I start thinking about some of the scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, like in Psalms 139, where it talks about God just, just fully knowing us when mm-hmm. we're awake, when we're mm-hmm. laying down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, he, there's such a great verse that King David is is saying to the Lord is that you see me. Mm. And so even for me, reflecting on a scripture verse like that just counteracts the 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 lies that the enemy wants us to believe. He wants me to believe that I'm invisible in that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever the emotion is. And just asking God what what is true about me. And for me that's it's such an easy way to to capture his truth is to go to the scriptures. But even then to ask what's true about Aaron, is it mm-hmm. true that she doesn't see me or, you know, is trying to control me or, mm-hmm. you know, is not being fair or thinks I'm a failure, whatever it is, there, there's something powerful about what happens in my heart when mm-hmm. I'm, you know, calmly seeking out the Lord in his truth, having a conversation with God. And that usually then gets me open enough 
right? Yes. To, to then ultimately go and repair that conflict. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, no one ever really taught me the importance of getting a heart back open, my own heart back open before trying to, you know, manage a conflict. Like, well, no one taught me that. Yeah. And so many of us weren't taught that. But just knowing it is so important to own the state of our heart, because often we look to the other person, I need you to do something so my heart reopens. And sure, I love it when I feel safe emotionally with you and my heart's more likely to stay open and I'm more likely to engage. But if my heart closes and I react poorly, that's on me. And it's my job then to de-escalate and to really go to the Lord and let Him humble my heart and let Him breathe truth into me and breathe life into my heart so I can come back and be courageous enough to say, hey, can we try that again? That didn't go well. And I really would like to do that differently. How about you? Well, and that's what we're talking about, these small little choices that we can make, such an important choice Mm -hmm. within the whole scope of conflict, the first choice is how do I get my own heart back open? Mm-hmm. Well, if if you want to learn more about making intentional choices in your marriage, we have Ron's book here at the ministry available for a gift of any amount. It's called 10 Choices Successful Couples Make. It's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and get that book today. Yes. And all the details will be in the show notes. Hey, I'm Bill Arbuckle with today's devotion. Was he a free-spirited explorer who clashed with a by-the-book British captain? Or a strong-willed loner who refused an order and left a group of men to die in an Antarctic blizzard? There was an expedition to claim the South Pole for Great Britain. Cecil Henry Mears was part of that expedition with Captain Robert Falcon Scott. We know that Mears and Captain Scott clashed often. Mears resigned from the expedition and returned to England. None of these facts are disputed. What is up for debate is Mears' refusal to restock a supply depot. Had he completed the supply run, would Captain Scott and his companions have survived the harsh Antarctic winter? Or maybe it's better to ask what might have happened had Mears and Scott agreed on their duties. You've heard people talk about a house divided. Jesus himself mentions it in Matthew 12, 25. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. A house divided, an Antarctic expedition divided, a church, a nation, a marriage divided comes to ruin. Are you and your spouse facing a decision? Are you united? You and your spouse are a team. Teams win together or lose together. When we forget we're a team, we choose division. Division can lead to hurt. Hurt can lead to brokenness. And brokenness can lead to ruin. It's better to take time to talk through decisions, big and small. Find a solution you both feel good about. A solution where you win as a team. A house... A marriage divided collapses, but a united marriage stands whatever may come its way.
Aaron, I so appreciate Bill's just reminder that that we have an an enemy, and it's it's never our spouse. We we the evil one wants to get us into these power struggles. He wants us squaring off, facing off. You know, is a couple, and and anytime we do that, when we're in that sort of dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, Satan wins. We mm-hmm. we lose. We're divided, as he talked about, mm-hmm. and we all know a house divided will fall, and it is just relevant that we really work towards unity, and especially with conflict, making sure that we're coming back around and talking about it, repairing, restoring. Connection. Yeah, really. And to your point, I mean, we need to be fighting for our unity because Satan is a, hates our marriage. He's afraid of it because he knows the power of unity within a marriage. So, well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A. And that's the part of the show where we get to answer your questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free, is our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Mike, so let's listen to the voicemail that he sent in. Hi. I've been married for almost 10 years, and no matter the discussions or arguments about certain situations, I am 99% of the time, I'm always the one to give in and accept responsibility, giving in on the situations that we're going through. And it's so frustrating that even though I feel like I'm right, I feel also feel like that I need to give in uh, and take responsibility for what my wife wants, even if I don't agree, just to move on and just let it pass. What kind of advice can you give me to make it a more even and fair for both of us? Mm. Mike, I'm so glad you called in and that you're letting us speak into this very frustrating situation. It sounds really frustrating. You know, first, I would be asking yourself a question. Why are you so eager to give in and accept responsibility? And I'm because what I'm guessing is that she's picking up on this, that she knows you're not genuinely owning it. You're just saying the words to do something to remove the discomfort or the conflict or to keep the peace or to avoid disharmony or disconnection. She's going to pick up on those subtleties of that. Yeah, because you're, you're right. And and again, Mike, we so respect that you're willing to call in and, and share this. So mm-hmm. please hear our heart behind our kind of coaching and encouraging you is that we, we get your heart. But there's a big difference between being a peacemaker and placating. Mm-hmm. And and I love what Aaron is saying is that that first and foremost, yeah, what what what's that about for you? And the more you can clearly identify, hey, in the midst of conflict, I become so uncomfortable because I'm so afraid that we're gonna stay disconnected or you know, that this is going to escalate out of control, that I quickly just give in and agree so that we can move on. You know, really for you to really clearly understand, okay, this is what's going on for me. 
when we experience conflict, this is what's getting triggered. I'm feeling in the more than that you can articulate that to your wife in a dialogue outside of mm-hmm. a conflict. So we're not saying, hey, in the midst of conflict, <laughs> this is the right time to now say, okay, wait, here's what's really going on for me. But honestly, I would invite her to go on a walk and just say, hey, I'm, I'm aware that there's a pattern mm-hmm. within our marriage that, that often as we're in conflict or arguing, something's going on, we're disagreeing, that I give in to you so quickly because of this. And explain it to her and just say that, man, I, I, that's not, I know you hate that. I don't like that. That's not what's healthy for a relationship. And I would like to do this in a different way. Maybe then you guys can talk through how could we do conflict in a, in a different way? Because Mike, I guarantee you that your wife doesn't like it when you placate to mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. when you just kind of roll over, you know, we have a little golden doodle named Olive and, mm, and, and she'll Olive. just roll onto her back and just expose her <laughs> tummy so that we can scratch her little tummy. And in, in, in many ways, that's kind of what you're talking about. Just to make it out of this conflict, I'm just going to roll over and and just kind of go along with whatever. And that's not honoring to you, to her, or to your marriage. Mm -hmm. So it's evaluating why am I doing this? And then having a conversation outside of a time that it's happening, and then really coming up with something that works for both of you. Um, what would that look like? And, you know, I think first and foremost, confessing that to her, that this is what's happening for me, and I'm just becoming aware of it. Because um, often we do these things and we're not aware of it, but I appreciate you are aware of it, that I would like this to go differently. This is why I do it. And gosh, I'd love to know what goes on for you when we get into conflict. And then really understanding what is this? This is our cycle and our conflict cycle, our reactive cycle. And as this is happening, how can we really come up with a plan? How do we do this differently next time? Because there will be a next time. Yeah, because it's really, it's it's about planning for, okay, we know we're going to argue. We know we're not going to do this perfectly. So how do we revisit and repair these moments, these these conflicts, these these arguments? Because both of you have to matter. Both mm-hmm. of your hearts, you both caring for each other. And that's the essence of, of repairing a conflict means that we shift from the cycle, the, the dialogue that's not working and really enter into a time of just caring for, hey, how did that make you feel? Oh, man, that matters to me. And then where she can then do that for you. Mike, because if, if the end of the day, if, if you're not feeling that there's space and room for your heart to be cared for, that's just going to really going to create a, a way in which you guys are going to just continue to sweep conflicts under the rug and you're going to continue to avoid conflict. So Aaron and I believe in you. Figure out what what's this about. You may need to go talk to a counselor mm-hmm. and do a, some sessions around, yeah, help me understand why is it that I, that I give in so quickly. Yeah, so often these patterns that we find ourselves using are from long ago. And so it's jumping in and identifying, you know, how did I utilize this pattern to protect myself and my family of origin, possibly? And I always say, don't judge what we did. 
become aware of what you did back then and if you're still utilizing the same coping mechanism today, because more than likely it's not working. And it sounds to me, Mike, like you're saying, this isn't working for me any longer. It worked at one point, but it's not working today. So go in and talk to a licensed Christian counselor. They can help you navigate that dynamic. Well, thanks to Mike for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Making healthy choices in your marriage is essential to a thriving relationship. And we hope that you were encouraged to do that today. You know, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts because we really want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage because we want you to be growing spiritually as individuals and as a couple so that you can turn around and invest in another couple to help them have a thriving marriage. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.